A road is just a road, but a Jeep SUV isn't just an SUV. Come see for yourself at the Jeep Start Something New sales event. During Owner Appreciation Month, finance get $3,750 total cash allowance on select 2020 Grand Cherokee Laredo 4x4 models and dealer stock the longest. On oldest 20% inventory of 2020 Jeep Cherokee Laredo models as of 1-3-2020 and dealer stock. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers are qualified. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 2-3-2020. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to Glee on the Rock, episode two or episode three, depending on how you want to count, where we go over Glee uh, season one, episode two, Showman. The Glee episode premiered September 9th, 2009, was directed by Ryan Murphy and written by Brad Falchuk, Ian Brennan, and Ryan Murphy. So you can direct all hatred towards them for this episode. The episode premiered in September, but did show at Comic-Con early in the year, but when played on TV, it was watched by 7.3 million U.S. viewers and was apparently the best received scripted premiere by Fox in three years. So what does that say about Fox's scripted television programming then? Giving you a little background as far as to how this reception was with this episode was fairly positive in general from critics. Now, what was our reception of it after rewatching it? My reception of it was pretty blah. We were talking about this before we hit record, but it just felt like an extended rehash of the pilot, which makes sense when you're making a TV show that it was four months since the pilot aired and, you know, needed to catch people up on what they probably had forgotten from May. But it just kind of felt like we went over some of the same things that we had already opened with in the pilot and didn't make a lot of headway plot wise, kind of like putting the seeds down for later, longer storylines, which is fine. It just meant that I didn't have a lot of feelings about this episode in general. And it also just wasn't as quirky or funny. It was a recap but it wasn't quite as good as what it was recapping. Yeah, it's the sequel problem. Tried to go bigger, didn't get better. I was say, it's, it's the same issues from the pilot without the charm of, oh, this is new, or, oh, we're ending on an uplifting note. As, you know, we said last uh, week, having Don't Stop Believing at the end of it was sort of a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. And you don't get that with episode two, obviously. You're trying to establish the plot. So you just kind of get a, this is the same thing, but without the warm, fuzzy feeling. It's the downer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just some fake pregnancy and some sadness. <laughs> that I feel is a great encapsulation of a lot of season one. Some fake pregnancy and some sadness. <laughs> Don't forget the premature ejaculation because apparently that was a plot point they needed to spend multiple scenes on too. God, I want to... <laughs> to circle back around to premature ejaculation, a phrase I don't get to say frequently enough in my life. Um, Probably a good thing. <laughs> Probably. 
But this episode, I did have this glimmer of Rachel Berry, I actually like you. And that was kind of during some of the the premature ejaculation scenes, not the celibacy club and just Rachel's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is not a good thing. And her final, she was done with it and walking out. And even though part of that was also just that she didn't like Quinn or the Cheerios. I also was like, yeah, okay, no, Rachel's got a point there. Okay, good job, Rachel. I like you now. And then I went back to not liking her, but there was that brief moment where I did. She doesn't have many of them. So I feel like we should really highlight when she does. She says something well and says the right thing. I want to slow clap it out for Rachel Berry this one time. Yeah, again, we're going to value these moments early on since that's going to disappear really quickly. Never to be seen again. And like, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, by the way, we don't like Rachel Berry. Although our dislike for Rachel Berry does pale in like of shoe. Yes. How's that for a segue? Yeah, I feel like in discussing Rachel, even though we mostly don't like her, we're still going to give her some credit for some things along the way. She was just like a flat across the board note. Hard note. I have so many written notes on my dislike of shoe for this episode. And I'm going to pick one and start with it. One of the biggest issues is clearly he's living out his high school dreams through these children. And that's creepy and problematic in many ways. But the fact that Artie is like, hey, we want to do some more modern music. And he's like, nope, we're doing disco because that's what was popular when he was in, in high school and then gets angry at kids who are like, you know, we're going to we're going to do our thing because we know this is a terrible idea instead of being an adult hey, maybe there's a reason why disco isn't going to boost your numbers. He has no emotional maturity. The few times they try to make it seem like he does, it just makes him seem further disingenuous. He has like, it's no emotional maturity, but then it's also just a flat dismissiveness when it calls for it in the plot. Like he's supposed to, as their teacher and as their whatever, he's supposed to be supportive and on their side, but, you know, guiding them towards their goals. And instead, he just says, nope, fuck you guys, we're doing disco, as if he hadn't turned on the radio in the last 32 years. Yeah, he, he definitely treats them like peers, but unlike respecting them like adults, he just acts like a teenager himself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying what I want. And he does and then, have a very like white guy, self-centered attitude when it comes to not looking outside of his own bubble. Love it. And then it gets super white boy baby hurt when they don't listen to him. Or when Rachel goes, we're going to do this other thing, which maybe your students shouldn't pick their own song and not listen to their teacher. I can agree with that. But you acted like a baby when you got angry instead of going this is wrong let's talk about this you lashed out like a child and I have no sympathy for you. Also, you have vanity plates. That, <laughs> Frustrating thing is the show seems to want us to be sympathetic to him for things he's acting like man baby hurt about too. Like the fact that his wife, who he thinks is pregnant, wants him to be responsible and instead he wants to go off and flirt with one of the teachers at school. Like we're supposed to be really sad this man can't cheat on his pregnant wife. Yeah, they really hit that hard in this episode of his infatuation with Emma as though we didn't know that he is a married man with allegedly a child on the way. Like it's played off as cute and you know, a little heartbreaking that they're not quite connecting and he wants to spend all this time with her. But we all know that he's got a wife at home and we're supposed and to he, still be into that. And we don't know till the very end of the episode that she's not pregnant. Mm-hmm. They had where Emma's like, she's going to go out with Ken. You have that sad scene of 
oh no, she's going out with somebody else other than you. And isn't that really sad? And then you have to take a moment, take a step back and be like, no, bitch, you're fucking married. Of course she's going out with this other guy. Well, this is the show setting up. It's longstanding. Possibly the like biggest continuity in Glee is that they can't do any romance plot line without cheating. I mean, both of the main, yeah, both of the main storylines start out with cheating. We're supposed to root for Finn and Rachel, even though he's got a girlfriend. We're supposed to root for Emma and Shu, even though he's got a wife. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to take this moment to insert a actor that I quite enjoy into this podcast. Ben Browder is a sci-fi actor and director and made a comment at a convention once that said, if you can't write drama between your main couple outside of getting them together and breaking them up, getting them together, breaking them up, you don't know how to write. And I think of that all of the time when I watch Glee because there's more than that. And so, yes, this sets up their longstanding thing of breaking people up, putting them together, putting them in new, you know, new directions. (laughs) (laughs) Strike one. (laughs) All right. But just kind of further emphasizes that's the only way you guys know how to do drama. You don't know how to write because there's so much more that you could do. You just don't bother. They did it with the easiest couple on the show as well with Clayne. There were so many things to have been done and it was still just low hanging fruit of let's do a cheating storyline. Yeah, one of the only couples that they managed to pull off without that, and this is skipping ahead a little bit, but it's the one that I think accidentally worked out well, which is Bert and Carol. They managed to give them drama in the situation that their kids were in without like splitting them up because of cheating or whatever. But that also happened because they didn't care enough about Bert and Carol to give them a plot. Yeah, there was no real storyline there to fuck up. And consequently, we had like one couple that stayed happily together because we only saw them on the fringes. OTP forever. I think you'll also see before they started putting a huge focus on Kurt and Blaine when they were just kind of the background B plot line. They didn't try to break them up, put them together, break them up, put them together then either. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to them later. We'll have time to dissect all of that. <laughs> Can't wait for those five hour long episodes. When we get to season two, it's just going to be Blaine. We will endeavor to talk about some other people, but you know, yeah, do a pot of coffee, sit down, this oh. will be long. Episodes. We're just going to end up talking about how it all should have gone with yeah. their relationship, including drama, like realistic relationship issues, which is fine, but not your bullshit cheating. Not with those two. Not in my house. <sighs> yeah. The only so non... Like maybe, mm-hmm. I was say, I think like maybe Ryan Murphy was working some stuff out yet again. Yeah. Glee didn't care much for doing anything with non-romantic relationship outside of Kurt and Rachel, which yeah. is a shame because there could have been some really good friendships, even in like these first episodes. If they had taken time and started to build friendship between the kid characters or even the adult characters, that might have given us something to focus on besides, oh, they're cheating. Oh, now they're singing again. Oh, now they're cheating again. Yeah. I'm struggling to try to think of a friendship, especially at the beginning here, that's that you actually see between the kids, other than the Cheerios. And I mean, you see later in the Cheerios, they have some struggles. But at the beginning, Santana, Brittany, and Quinn are just kind of shown as like a, you know, the, um, what their, what their the name? Unholy, unholy Trinity. Yep. Yeah. So they're kind of shown as, okay, they're really close. And we don't really see much of that. But I don't really see a lot of actual friendships between the Glee kids. There wasn't. I mean, here we go. Point to Kurt and Mercedes, but all Kurt and Mercedes are doing in these first episodes are reaction shots against each other. They, not- they even make that into a romance storyline to begin with, too, mm-hmm. because isn't it like Mercedes has a crush on Kurt? 
Yeah. 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 So, I mean, they even approach that from, well, clearly all teenagers ever want to do is get in relationships, which is partially true, but not completely true. They have friends too. They're also sophomores. So they're babies. Yeah. They're, they're still learning how to be functioning people, let alone trying to navigate romantic entanglements. They could have given them some time to grow as as people before throwing them into the ever-revolving Glee relationship dartboard. That would have required good writing. Oh, shit. Not their thing. Not their strong point. I am imagining there being a dartboard of, and like a, a dart that has a little tag on it that says Finn, and they throw <laughs> it at the board, and the board has a bunch of names on it. And they're like, Mercedes! I guess this episode we're doing Finn and Mercedes. <laughs> That's I mean, actually about accurate for the first season. Yeah. He just kind of bounces around to uh, every other breathing creature on screen. <sighs> I'm pretty sure that's how the writing room went. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't a room. It was just like mm-hmm. a smelly couch on the back lot. It was the couch from Figgins. From office. That was the writing room. <laughs> that was the writing room. Scraps of paper wedged under those uh, cushions that have like storylines scribbled on them. <laughs> they scribbled down storylines. <laughs> Too far. That's even that's too far. It's a voice memo on Murphy's phone <laughs> that he gave himself at three in the morning for waking Woke up with fever dream. I'm just imagining Ryan Murphy writing out scripts for Glee the same way Trump tweets. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> it's sad because it's probably true. It's just it's like Finn and Rachel. Sad. <laughs> That'd be oh a cool God. post though if someone just went through and rewrote an episode as tweets, <laughs> but Trump tweets, not just tweet tweets. Uh, Dear podcast listeners, there's your homework. Please do the thing. Although, so I guess we're. Tr- I was trying to decide like what could I even say about this episode. It Fair. felt like here was where we started that really really terrible unfortunate crush between or from Kurt aimed at Finn yeah and I hated it the first time around and I hate it this time around and I just I guess I wondered what purpose that served for Kurt as a character if any or was it just Murphy's gay kid with a crush on a straight kid storyline like just kids get another stereotype marked off and get it done this way I mean I don't don't know what purpose it it serves Um, it also I guess kind of sets up the reason for Kurt to have it in for Rachel because Kurt is not particularly nice to Rachel the first season. Oh, no, not at all. I have a canon answer and I have a fanon answer. Well, I mean, I have a the canon answer, which is pretty sure this is this is another trope that Murphy's another gay trope Murphy's doing, pulling from his life. Pretty yeah, sure like, who did, who did, who did Murphy want? Hmm? Clearly the quarterback. Yeah. Murphy had a crush on someone in high school and just had to get it out. I feel like through Kurt, we see a lot more about Murphy's life than I ever really needed to see. (laughs) At least least through season one. But my my fanon answer, which is, you know, I could because I do firmly believe fandom did an amazing job of going, oh, let me take this briefly thought out idea and then expound on it and then make it make sense by giving it a fully fleshed out backstory. And now it makes sense to me. So that's why I say fandom, because it's like we don't actually see anything further with this. Um, But I do think it does set up later with Kurt and Finn's issues. I don't want to say a reason for Finn 
tend to be kind of unsure about, you know, about Kurt, but it does kind of highlight issues a straight guy might have with their fellow gay friend and being able to then work through that so that they can actually come to a realization of, oh, that's not a gay guy having a crush on you is not a bad thing. Let's actually talk about that. And if that's something that bothers you, you need to really think about why. And then also think about what girls go through. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling too far, I think, away from the point here. But I do yeah, think... Like- for that reason, it does work later. Now, what did they know that when they were writing it? I have no fucking idea. That's the thing. It's like I can never give them enough credit to think that they plan anything eight episodes in advance. Yeah. But I did wait a shirt a little bit and then use it later. Like, oh, I guess we can use this now. We hadn't planned on it, but it's fine. But yeah, but I do think it does give Finn and Kurt's relationship later and with how close they become a little bit more depth. Just say, you know, this is where they start. Started, Finn and Kurt, you know, especially Finn had to work through his issues with this and they come out better. So and th- and that's something I think that some straight guys in the audience or, you know, just uh, teens in general watching. Yeah, yeah. Teens in general watching the audience kind of seeing that and going, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Obviously, Okay, and then moving on from that. And I do think that's a good thing. But I also don't know if if that was originally the point or if it was just a let's tick the gay trope box and and, and continue going down the list. But my problem with that, I do think that you're right, except knowing what I know about Finn's character in general. It also just already annoys me because Finn's character learned something for that specific episode and then immediately forgot it because this is, again, skipping ahead, which I'm trying not to do. But his treatment of Santana later on proves that he didn't really learn much empathy, sympathy towards what queer kids are going through. Oh. Totally agree. I mean, the characters never really retain anything as long as it serves the plot of that week. Well, I I think Finn was supposed to learn, quote unquote, after what was it like a bad romance and he dressed up as Gaga. And that was in like season one. So no, Finn never retains a lesson. Yeah, but that makes me less likely to give them credit for this. I'm like, no, really, they just thought the predatory gay storyline was funny. And it goes on for a number of episodes. It's not like a one and done. It kind of they they let it go to get to that scene later on between Finn and uh, Kurt. What I do think is an interesting parallel is you have Kurt has a crush on Finn and that goes on for a couple episodes and if I'm remembering correctly ends people being angry at Kurt for having a crush on Finn and trying to date him. I've read a lot of fic so I'm trying to like pull apart what I what I've you know retained from fic um what actually happened and what's just what's just sitting in the brain bank exactly so yes please please correct me if I'm starting to pull from a fic somewhere but yeah, but basically it was being pushed on Kurt as his fault for this. But then you had Mercedes has a crush on Kurt and she throws a brick into his car window. Yeah. And while, yeah, we all kind of go, haha, that was Mercedes fault. It's still played as a joke and not that big of a deal. So it's like, wait a minute, you literally did like the same kind of a thing. Only this is this is OK and you can cause physical damage. Whereas if Kurt did that to Finn's car, pretty sure it wouldn't have been played off as a ha. Ha ha no big deal. Yeah. I mean, I think we're jumping ahead some episodes. Sorry, guys. No, but it is. They're all plot lines that are 
repeated. I don't know if we can say they reflect each other. We were talking about this before about like, when can you say that a plot line is purposefully reflecting? And when is it just copy pasted into a new episode with new characters? That definitely, um, we were talking about that previously, because in this episode, uh, when Rachel and Finn are on stage and they're singing, Finn makes the comment to Rachel, you know, I, th- I thought you were dumb, I didn't like you, but then I heard you singing and that really, it really moved me, Rachel. That line sounds familiar. And it, and again, it's like, did did they purposefully have Kurt and Blaine have a similar setup and a similar, you know, a reflection, as you said, of a previous storyline in words to kind of have similar parallels between the couples? Or did they just really, you know, shit at writing and didn't realize they'd already pulled that shit and they can't think any deeper on getting couples together than, wow, your voice is pretty. Someone reached between the couch cushions, found that post-it note, and thought, oh, this is a good idea. This is a good idea. God God damn that couch cushion. (laughs) Hashtag not a documentary. We'll get more into Kurt later and his his back and forth of good character, terrible character. I mean, I think the fact that we keep talking about things that haven't come yet is really an example of how this episode had nothing new to it. It had nothing. I mean, the thing that it had for me was, so the Rachel's song at the end, Take a Bow, was like one of the first, or maybe I guess the first song that sounded like, oh, that's a Glee cover. Mm -hmm. Production of it, Rachel walking despondently through the hallways, singing at people who aren't paying attention to her. The first time that you really get this huge, huge, fully produced Lee cover of a song you already knew. Their Don't Stop Believing was kind of like fun and kitschy and it was just on that stage and was great. But this one had like all of the elements that make up a Glee cover, including the song being not quite right for the situation. Like close. A little closer, closer than a lot of other songs that they've done. Again, pushing into the future, so I won't bring up, but yes, close. Not quite nail on the head. Like not, like I I see where you're going and it's just not, not quite there. going to to jump off of that to say at least that song didn't give me secondhand embarrassment like every other freaking song in this episode did are you are you saying it's because she's a gold digger Oh my god. On the list of things that should not have happened in this episode, at the top is Maddie Fresh rapping. I mean, yes. I I wrote in my show notes, Gold Digger is so good, but I can't believe they only did 20 seconds of it and then cut away to two minutes of black screen. <laughs> if only that had actually happened. Like okay. How they had to change all the words to make it even remotely yeah. PC. Okay, so this is going to totally show our bias, but the only person who should be allowed to be doing rapping on that screen right there is going to be Kevin McHale. It's true. Think, only- I just assume Amber is like a master at all musical styles. Probably you know, so. I'm willing to go there, so I'll add her. Amber can obviously do it as well because I'm sure she's just amazing. Yeah, her her vocals just like make me think she could sing anything, which is a shame that they let her do that so rarely. Oh, no, that was one of my notes was, oh, look, she got a line to sing and it was great. And then it disappeared again. Yeah. Just totally how she started like rapping. I, who, again, what did they just pull out another dartboard to be like, we have the rights to this song. Who should sing it? Oh, the adult white male. That's a good 
idea. That was that's great. To uh, a bunch of teenagers. Right. Again, going back to the she was incredibly inappropriate and and a, just a large man baby. All the songs in 2009 for them to have attacked. You had to go with Gold Digger. There was nothing else. There was no nothing else that fit in that. Okay, so I have a question and I don't know the answer and it kind of jumps off of that. Do you think they purposefully wanted Gold Digger and went to go get the rights to it? Or that they had a list of, you know, popular songs from 2009 and said, we want to sing these and came back. We were like, these three you get the rights to, one of which was Gold Digger. Which way do you think it happened? Well, because early on, they wouldn't have had the success to show the network that they should pay for the rights to these songs. But Gold Digger's a pretty popular song. It can't have been cheap. It's Kanye West. Kanye West likes money. I mean, maybe Maddie Fresh knew somebody and was like, it's my time to shine. Waiting my whole career for this moment. Maybe that's it. But yeah, I mean, like I can understand later seasons, it being like, or even like in the height of it, um, it having a certain prestige and ability to to get producers and song credits a little bit easier. But at the beginning, I go, well, maybe they didn't necessarily want Gold Digger, but that was like one of the only ones they could get. And so they were like, okay, well, we have this song. How are we going to work it into the show? I don't even think that you can make the argument that it was meant to to be about Terry because that doesn't... he's not rich. Yeah, it's just a song that he really, really likes, and that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, as much as I disliked that song, I don't know if I dislike it more or less than Push It. <laughs> Push It was just hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Yeah. I felt like Chris Matthews was going to break in my door every time I looked at Chris Colfer singing. And it I, made me sad because I love Chris Colfer, but I'm like, I cannot watch you singing the song without feeling like a like a perv right now because you look like a child and you're doing things you should not be doing. Because he's playing a child because actual, what, 15, 16 year olds shouldn't be doing that at school. No, no. The, one of the only ones that actually looked like the age he should have been, at least in this in this season. There was like a shot that was like a close up on his fanny pack. I was like, Could, please don't name that. So I can't watch this. I would wash the dishes or something. <laughs> yeah. Now the the secondhand embarrassment for that song was very very high, and I, I think I muted it for most of it <laughs> just because I I couldn't do visuals and sound, so I decided to do visuals. And I don't know if that was that was better or not. Probably not. I think it's worse. Yeah, because then I had to also look at Rachel's knee pads and be like, why do you have knee pads? I mean, she did get those pamphlets from Emma. Oh my God. We did talk about the gag reflex. So like... (laughs) Which which is actually another topic that I kind of had an issue with. Because some of the humor in Glee is actually funny. Like Emma's pamphlets do kind of make me laugh because they're very like not in your face. But the gag reflex comment just made me go, wow, you would get fired. I would be uncomfortable with a teacher making a comment about a gag reflex to me if I were in a classroom right now and I'm in my 30s. Yeah, I would would like to speak to the manager if that happened. Not even a teacher, just like if a person that I was talking to made that comment to me and it wasn't like a friend, I'd be like, we are are done with this conversation now. I don't know you. This is awkward. Uh, It it does in a strange way make uh, Will and Emma seem even more destined to be together because he spies on teenagers in the shower and she uh, tells them about blowjobs. So really, match made in heaven right here. Seriously. That should never be teaching children. 
I do think their inappropriate humor is a an interesting point and also brings up a question. They're obviously trying to be dark comedy. We're saying inappropriate things to teens and isn't that really funny? Ha ha ha. But it doesn't hit right. And it, and it always makes me feel kind of, I need to go take a shower now. I feel a little creeped out. And I personally think that's because they do this weird mix of after school special and then dark comedy. And it's like, you don't know to take it if you guys are really going over the top as a dark comedy or if you're trying to be like, hey, don't do drugs, guys. Drugs are bad. And and it's like it keeps going back and forth between the two. And so that's why when they do the inappropriate humor, it hits wrong. But uh, I'd love to hear like, why do you think that it just but on this show, it doesn't hit right. Why do you think that I think is? it's just Murphy's sense of humor that doesn't that doesn't work. So he was coming off of Nip Tuck straight into Glee. And that's a that's a hard left that you have to take going from a show like Nip Tuck into Glee. And previously he had what was it called? Popular, another high school show. And I think he just doesn't have the sense of humor that translates into the mouths of people younger. So if these were characters in in like college saying some of these darkly humorous things, you buy it because they're 18, 19, 20. When it's someone who's supposed to be 15 being told that not having a gag reflex is going to be a good thing, it just hits on a creepy factor instead of a, that's that's gross but funny. I think it's just the age problem in the characters. Or that he's a terrible writer. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that makes sense though. Like he wasn't quite writing. It's not that he wasn't writing for the right audience. It's that he wasn't writing for the right characters which is really fucked up since it was his show. Like He's an ideas guy, though. He's good, I think. And I strike me down if I say something nice about Ryan Murphy. But he can come up with a concept that's pretty cool. The concept of Glee is pretty good. And the concept of American Horror Story is pretty fucking good. It's just those details inside of it that fall apart when he doesn't let other people or chooses the wrong people to dig into the minutiae of a character that makes them someone you really love and understand on an individual level rather than a stereotype of a person. And these people are all still just stereotypes at this point and stay that way for a while. So you're not you're not hearing complicated figure Schuster talking about things he's talking about. You're just seeing kind of like creepy teacher and it doesn't fit into the high school setting and it doesn't fit into the student mentor setting they just become creepy little one-liners coming from the mouths of people who should really not be saying them. I think that's a very, very accurate point. Murphy is a big idea guy. <laughs> he's not He's not good at the small day-to-day minutia execution. And I'm going to suspect that he does not like handing over the control of that to people. So he probably gets people that are, you know, really shitty at it to do it because he can control them in which case then it comes out apart i mean the writing got handed off to to those that group of other writers later on Uh, i don't actually remember what season but other writers really started getting into it you could tell they were just taking the idea and trying to it's like writing a spec script you know you're just trying to follow the outline of a show but you can't really put your own feeling into it and your own ideas so i'm sure he was sitting there like this is what it's about fill in the gaps until he got completely taken over by american horror story and then just didn't give a shit about the show at all we played the dartboard game finn and mercedes do the thing this this episode you have to do that that's what the dartboard said The dartboard said, cheating again? What? Oh, surprise. I'd forgotten how quickly they were getting into the competitions in this this season. Like you almost feel like 
we need to see them rehearse a hell of a lot longer before you even start thinking about competition, but whatever. It's not that big of a deal. How fast everything happened is catching me off guard. I didn't remember catch the, uh, the scene with Finn and Rachel in the gym happened in the second episode. Yeah. Goes, they really, like, they really they, move right into it. Yeah. Which doesn't, it doesn't help for feeling sympathetic toward the characters because I, I mean, watching this the first time, I don't remember being engaged in any of these storylines besides Quinn, but I'm kind of biased because she's really pretty and I'm really shallow. Um, I cared about Quinn early on, didn't know anything about her, but I was invested. That was my genuine opinion as a first time viewer back when the show first aired. I didn't like anyone else, but I was interested in Quinn. But yeah, and then I think part of the reason I wasn't interested in anyone else is because they were moving some plots like full speed ahead without even really introducing other characters. Like we knew nothing about like Kurt, but we knew Finn's orgasm face. Uh, you know, super yeah. important character, you know, development. Also, you guys, Tina is still in the show. Speaking of characters that we oh, don't yeah. know about. She Tina's, also still has a stutter, right? Yeah, still has a stutter, still in the show. Just so we don't forget about her the same way the show does. Good thing Good thing we... we like where was Tina this to acknowledge Tina? More than what the show did for a while. I think it's funny how, yeah, they're moving it forward to the point where we should obviously be invested in Finn and Rachel and be really rooting for Finn and Rachel. And I don't feel anything. And I know that I'm slightly biased because I know the characters, but I just, I just met these people. I don't really know much about them other than Finn's a little dopey, but okay. And uh, Rachel's occasionally has some good points and drives me nuts, but I don't have the depth of knowing more and wanting more for them. Yeah, I'm certainly not rooting for them to get together. Why, why, why should I care about them? And I don't have that. I don't have a why. Yeah, why you, don't, you don't see them doing anything else. You don't see them interacting for any length of time to develop anything. It's just, yes, they're gonna, she has a crush on him, so we should all feel sympathetic towards her. Like, well, I don't, but thank you. Thank you for trying. And by trying, I mean half-assing it, so... Any other points from the episode that stuck out to you? I know we said it's a lot of rehashing from previous, but anything else? I just thought it was really funny when Shu said that it was not all about Rachel or Ah, him. That's a good point. It's like that ironic. Is is that another point to, well, no, I know, I guess we were talking about Murphy as Trump tweets. You going to say that like a Trump tweet. It's like, you said the thing, but you really mean the opposite. <laughs> you said the thing. We've got the receipts of this whole fucking TV show about the thing. That's cool. I'm not worried. I forgot about that point, but that's, yeah, that definitely made me laugh, but not how it probably should have. Yeah. Oh, I did suddenly remember that there is an entire scene in this episode where Shu and Terry just go house hunting. I like the I, amount okay. of time that's actually given to their relationship is astounding considering what happens. Yeah, but it also kind of reinforces the thought from the our previous episode that the adults were always supposed to be the B plot. Yeah. They were supposed to be a a substantial plot line or a character line and don't really become that. Again, I felt sympathetic for Terry. She wanted to go house hunting because she was going to have a baby and didn't want to put the baby in Will's apartment. And I'm like, sounds legit. You wanted a house for your kid. I don't see how that's a problem. See the problem here. Except, you know, there's there's no baby. But she didn't know that yet. Yeah. She didn't know that. I mean, after this episode, Terry is immediately less sympathetic. But up until the point where she finds out there's no baby, 
I don't really see what she did as nearly as wrong as what he's doing, wanting desperately to cheat on her. You know, she's she's not out there trying to relive her glory days. She's actively trying to move forward. She might be moving forward in a less than a recommended way, but moving forward nonetheless, I I still felt sympathetic for, for Terry. I never really hated her just because I was like, yeah, I don't know why you want to keep you, but I mean, I don't think you're doing anything worse than, than he's doing. So whatever, I don't care. I mean, Terry yeah. needed a good therapist, perhaps some mood stabilizing drugs and to move far, far away from Will. I want thick where that happens to her and he runs into her later and she's doing like really well. <laughs> she's like having a great yeah. life. I want I want a good life for Terry. That actually would have been satisfying. <laughs> that would have been the best ending to Glee. She was just like doing great. She's now like the regional manager of Pier 1 Imports. <laughs> <laughs> They're still in business. I'm not actually sure. Has, has a daughter, maybe a gay son, like she said. Yep, yep, yep. And she's just very happy. And I, I would feel, I feel like that would be a great ending to Terry's storyline. Well, you know, law of infinite universes somewhere out there. Terry has a great TV show exists where Terry ends up with a beautiful life. Uh, that makes me feel so much better. We can all hold on to that hope for her. <laughs> in the dark of the night. I can't say in the dark of the night because that makes me want to sing Anastasia, which is going off on a completely different angle. Tangent Town? Yeah, except to Tangent Town, Anastasia. <laughs> I mean, there's a song they should have covered on the show, but didn't. That is like multiple podcasts. Songs that should have covered. And obviously the, the credit song at the beginning with Richard Marks and Donna Lewis, not... Oh my God. That song that needed to be covered because it's a good clean song. Duh. I I still hold out hope that somebody will write the Anastasia Clean AU where Blaine and Cooper are trying to find Anastasia and then they find Kurt and Kurt's like because you know Kurt went to Russia and right, I'm still I'm still holding out for that. So you know, fic writers that are listening. Um, if there are any clean fic writers left. All right. It's just, it's just like crickets in the Clane fandom back there. Like anyone, anyone? Bueller? There, I Bueller? think there are a couple that I frequently visit their blogs on. Any final thoughts on the episode before we pull out our, our favorites from this? <laughs> uh, that's another pamphlet. I don't think I have anything left other than my favorite quote. And that's all I've got. Mandy, do you have any final thoughts? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I feel enough. like I've said it all. That's yeah. resignation. All right. So favorites. Uh, you said you had a favorite quote, Emily? No, it is from Sue Sylvester. And it is. It is my strong recommendation that both of these students be hobbled. Ah! <laughs> ah! Ah! I don't know why. It's just for line delivery. That is amazing. Yeah. Now I kind of want to use that in regular life now. Just <laughs> it's my strong recommendation that, that the assistant manager should be hobbled. Uh, Mandy, do you have a uh, favorite line? Uh, no, not really. Okay. I, I didn't make any notes about specific lines. My, I say, I, I just particularly enjoyed uh, Kurt's line, uh, one day you all work for me. Yes, that's true. Because that's I adore bitchy Kurt, bitchy sassy Kurt, and I just, <laughs> I found that hilarious. Also, any, any mean comments to various characters that we're not talking about right now just really make me happy. <laughs> uh, bitchy Kurt. We'll get more of him soon. I know, I know. I'll be a real character soon enough. (laughs) He'll be a real boy. Real boy. I don't have a favorite song from this episode because so many of them gave me secondhand embarrassment, but I do have a favorite wish 
mm-hmm. this happened song. And that is, I wish that Amber and Kevin were the ones to sing Gold Digger, because I feel like between their voices, they would have done a great job with the song. And it would have at least been watchable. Or at least that's how it happened in my head. Mm. Here's how it should have happened. (laughs) I liked Say a Little Prayer for Me, but again, I have already exposed myself for just enjoying the shallowness of pretty girls singing while wearing skirts. That's fair. They do. They do a good job with that song. And it just made me remember how long it takes for Santana to get a solo. Yeah. It's like, oh God, I've got to wait so long. It's not that I like Santana as a character that much, but I just really like when Naya is allowed to sing. Again, another other point to there being so many amazing voices in this cast. And we got way too many Rachel solos. So many. Tina, Santana. Tina, where you are? Just sad. It's just yeah. sad. It's just sad is the title of the episode. <laughs> no, I, I say the title of the episode is uh, Unexpected Pregnancies and a Bit of Sadness. <laughs> yes. There we go. That'll work. That'll, That'll work. work. That, if you, we've kind of run the gamut of thoughts on this episode. Uh, We should be back in, I think, two weeks. Yes. Okay, we will be back in two weeks with our next episode. So, Which may or may not be episode three. We're going to have to decide. It'll be a surprise for everyone. You won't get to know what episode we're doing until you listen. So you have to listen. Find out. Happy Halloween. Journey with us. Journey to the past, perhaps. Oh, that's one. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> you set it up i just had to do it <laughs> alley-oop all right and with that that's what you missed on glee a road is just a road but a jeep suv isn't just an suv come see for yourself at the jeep start something new sales event during owner appreciation month finance get 3750 total cash allowance on select 2020 grand cherokee laredo 4x4 models and dealer stock the longest on oldest 20 percent inventory of 2020 jeep cherokee laredo models as of 1 3 2020 and dealer stock financing for well-qualified buyers through chrysler capital not all buyers will qualify residency restrictions apply take retail delivery by 2 3 2020 jeep is a registered trademark At Farmers Insurance, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. And we know that it can get a little weird when things just don't work together. That's why Farmers lets you bundle your home and auto insurance together. And doesn't that sound nice? Bundle with Farmers today and you could save an average of 20% too. Talk about music to your ears. Visit Farmers.com or call 1-800-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.